Good morning, church family. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here. Thank you so much, Pastor Ben and Jenny, for leading us in worship through music this morning, and Brooke for keeping us connected. And uh, I'm so glad that you guys have tuned in, that, um, that you guys are participating in our worship of God. We're going to continue to do that, as Brooke said, for who knows how long we'll be in this format, online format, but we're so, we're so grateful to your diligence to continue to tune in, to continue to stay connected to one another, to continue to give and to serve as God leads you. I'm, I'm sure there's a few of you, at least, who wish that we would kind of move on from this Learning to Lament series. Especially on Mother's Day, right? Like, it's already been mentioned by Ben and by Brooke that, you know, this is supposed to be a happy day, and we certainly celebrate with those of you who are celebrating. My mom is, I'm sure, watching this live stream. I love you, mom. You're a great mom. Thank you. I'm celebrating with you. The, the mom to my kids, my wife Brittany, is watching this live stream. You are an incredible mom. Um, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for all that you do to raise our kids and train our kids and our church family and anyone who's tuning in. There's so many great moms in this community and around us, but also, as Ben mentioned, it's filled with pain for those who have lost children, those who have lost mothers, those who maybe have had unfortunate and tragic relationships with their moms. And so what better time, really, to continue pressing on in our Learning to Lament series than something like this, a, a holiday like this, which brings tension and mixed experiences and um, I personally, I just feel like this last year, I've probably done more lamenting than I have in my entire life. So I'm preaching to myself. And uh, if you wish we would move on from this Learning to Lament series and get into something positive and uplifting, well, there's other churches that will do that for you. Right now, we're learning to lament as a church family. Um, and I think it's so important for us. Because so many churches and so, many, so, so much of American Christian culture wants to put a positive and uplifting spin on everything. You turn on Christian radio and it's positive and uplifting. That, that's the aim. And certainly the gospel is good news. And, and God wants to uplift our spirits and to encourage us. But often the way to find encouragement and to be uplifted is actually to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with eyes open, with hearts softened, aware of what's going on. And so we're just diving into this lament series, partially because this is my own life right now. And it's the life of so many people in our church family. And it's, and it's the reality that many people in our communities and our world are walking through. And so we're going to continue to do this. I hope you have a Bible with you. Um, if you do, grab it and open it up to Psalm 13. We're going to look at the psalm from King David this morning. Psalm chapter 13. Um, get your Bible, pull it up on your phone. And I'm actually going to ask that you stand where you are. Take that nice comfy blanket off your lap and stand up and follow along as I read this passage. Psalm 13, to the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest the enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. 
I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Lord God, would you bless the study of your word this morning? Would this come alive to us? Lord, I thank you that you are with each one of us where we are this morning. I pray that you would remind us of your presence with us and that you would lead us to where you desire us to be, that you would, that you would make us aware that we are where you desire us to be, in your presence, and that in that place, even in the midst of the, the valley of shadow of death, there are pleasures forevermore and fullness of joy because we have eternal hope. So meet us this morning, Lord Jesus, and remind us that you are with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, this psalm is so heavy and honest. It's a heavy and honest lament from King David. And we don't know the circumstances surrounding this psalm. There's not a ton of information as far as what David was going through when he wrote this psalm. And so there's not a whole lot of sense in doing a bunch of contextual study or intellectual looking into this passage or even theological study of Psalm 13. There's just not much here to to give us the context of what was going on. There's, There's not a whole lot of sense in doing a context, an intellectual, or a deep theological dive on this passage. Rather, what we need to do with this passage is having an emotional engagement with it. Some of you are much more comfortable in kind of the heady. Let's look at God's word. Let's figure out the details, the context, the history, and that's so important for us to understand God's word rightly. But, but some of you would much rather stay there. You'd rather stay in the head level, and, and you're kind of nervous to let your emotions be felt or exposed. You're kind of nervous to let what is in your head or what you are trying to gain with intellectual knowledge, you're, you're, you're nervous to let that sink down into your heart and to feel it. But this passage calls for us to feel the gospel. It calls for us to feel our pain, to feel our loss, and then to cling on to God in the midst of our various emotions and our feelings. So rather than doing a deep dive on the context of this passage or the the deep theological truths of this passage, this morning I'm going to invite you, wherever you are, to just try and feel this passage emotionally. We're going to walk through it kind of verse by verse here. We're going to look at the first four verses where David cries out. Look at verse 1. David cries out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? See, David, the king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, as Scripture refers to him, he feels forgotten by God and like this feeling might last forever. Have you ever felt forgotten by God? Or like he has hid his face from you? That's exactly how David feels. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? These things are happening in my life and you don't seem to be intervening. Is this going to last forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I call out to you and you don't show up. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like David? 
Have you ever allowed yourself to express those feelings like David? Some of us are just emotionally shut up and locked up, and we've never actually wrestled with God in this way. And church family, I'm telling you, if you want a deep and abiding relationship with God, when you feel forgotten by him, you ought to express that feeling. If you just lock that up and ignore that, you're, you're going to be emotionally stunted with your heavenly father. And so I, I, I encourage each of you to spend some time and really assess your soul. And how do you feel about God at the moment? Do you feel like he's near? Or do you feel like he's distant? Do you feel like he's forgotten you? Or do you feel like he's favorable towards you? Do you feel like he's hidden his face from you? Or do you feel like he's right there, obvious in front of you? And there's different seasons in life where we feel all these things. But I want to encourage you to know your season. Assess your heart. Assess your relationship. Ask the questions. David feels forgotten by God. And like, this might last forever. Have you ever felt that? And have you ever expressed that? Secondly, David feels like God is silent and that he's left him to answer his own questions from a weary soul. Look at verse 2. David says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? We'll come back to part B in a little bit, but look at part A of verse 2. How long must I take counsel in my own soul? Now, Scripture tells us that, that the Holy Spirit is a great counselor, that he's the one in us and prompting us and answering our questions and granting us peace and helping us to understand God's word. So when we have questions, when we ask questions, the Holy Spirit counsels us into truth. He meets us in our state of despair and frustration and questions and doubt, and he brings us supernatural peace. But in this moment, David isn't experiencing that type of answer, those type of, of breakthroughs with God. He says, how long must I take counsel in my own soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? It's like David's calling out to God and, and, and God's not answering him. David feels like he has to answer his own questions. Why did this happen? God, why did this happen? God why, God, why are you allowing this to happen? I don't understand. No answer. So you do some inward searching. Okay, maybe I can figure this out myself. Maybe I can connect some dots and try to make sense out of this tragedy or make sense out of this loss or make sense out of just this, this stuckness that I feel in my soul or this depression that I feel in my soul. And, and God's not answering me, so I'll try and figure it out myself. I'll take all the self-assessments out there. I'll talk to all the counselors out there. I'll do whatever I can do. And yet there's no answers. David feels that. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt left to answer your own questions? If you have, acknowledge it. Follow the path of David. Learn to lament. Thirdly, David feels like he's on the brink of death. Look at verse 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. He's calling out, hear me and answer me. I'm sick of searching inward. I'm sick of looking at my own soul and my, my sorrow-filled heart for answers because I have no answers. I can't make sense of this myself. And so answer me, God. Oh my God, oh Lord, Yahweh, he's calling out to God by name. Consider and answer me, oh Yahweh, my God, my master, my king. Light up my eyes, would you change my countenance? I, I want to experience your joy, your pleasure again. I want to come out of the darkness. I want to be in the light. And he says, lest I sleep the sleep 
of death. David feels as though he's on the brink of death. We don't know the circumstances, what, what's going on around him. But we know that whatever's going on around him, whatever circumstances he's living through, it's caused him to feel as though inwardly he's dying. He has no strength to carry on. He's sick of searching his own soul, of having this sorrow-filled heart and seeming like God is distant, like God has forgotten him. And he's saying, if you don't come through, I can't make it. He's on the brink of death. Emotional death, spiritual death, physical death. Have you ever been there, church family? If you're honest with yourself, have you ever been to the point of despair where you just feel like, I can't go on? If you've ever felt that, this psalm shows us that you can bring that to God. Don't, don't put on a happy face for your heavenly father and say, it's good, I, I can carry on, but inwardly you're wasting away. No, bring that to him. Bring it to him. And then, the fourth one here that we see is that David feels like, his, like the enemy has prevailed and been exalted over him. Look at the end of verse 2. He says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And then verse 4, lest my enemy says I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David feels as though the enemies, those, those, who, those who have abandoned Yahweh or don't trust Yahweh, those who are executing injustice on the earth are winning and prevailing. David feels as though God isn't executing justice, as though God isn't upholding and honoring justice on the earth. Have you ever felt like this? I mean, certainly you look around the events of the world and there's injustice all over the place. There's, there's racial tensions. There's abuse. There's addiction there's adultery, there's horrific, horrendous things that happen around us. And, and sometimes it, it feels like, God, God, why aren't you executing justice? You could have stopped this from happening, but you stayed silent. Whether it's on a, on a global scene or a, or a national scene or in your just personal life, God, it seems like this was unfair. Why aren't you favoring me? Why are you letting my enemies or the enemy win? And David was there. Have you ever felt like the enemy has won or is winning? Like wickedness prevails and like God isn't executing justice on the earth or in your favor. And if we're honest, we felt these feelings. And if for some weird reason you've never felt these, felt these feelings, buckle up because you will. To walk with God is to experience everything that Scripture shows us. If, if you continue to walk with God, if you take seriously your, seriously your relationship with the Lord, you will experience everything in this book if you allow yourself to. And so if you've never felt these feelings, buckle up. You will. Tragedy will strike. So be prepared. Learn how to lament now. Understand the biblical concept of lament so when tragedy strikes your life, you know how to do it. And if tragedy has already struck and you've never felt these feelings, maybe time to get in touch with your emotions. And you don't have to become an emotional person to get in touch with your emotions, but it may be time to search your soul. Maybe time to spend some uninterrupted time with God and say, how are we really doing do we have an intimate relationship where I can pour up my heart to you? Or, or have I kind of 
shut you up and bottled you up and tried to contain you and tried to contain my own emotions? And do we have a safe but distant relationship? And if, again, if you haven't experienced these things, it's important that you learn these things so you're prepared when you do experience tragedy, but also so that you can walk with those in your life who have and are experiencing tragedy. Park Community Church, we, we long to be a church family where people are safe to journey with God. Where we're not always giving the easy answer, where we're not, where we're not always saying cheer up, where we're not always saying this too shall pass, where, where we're not always saying you're, you're being kind of isolated with your thinking. Now there's a time and a place to help people lift their eyes and to, to fight for perspective. That's some of what we've been talking about throughout this Learning to Lament series, that we always need to fight for perspective. We need to, we need to turn and consider and remember the truth, but there's a time and a place to just be sad with one another to mourn with one another, to weep with one another. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. See, God in his grace and his goodness, he has given us a way to do life together for human flourishing. And that means we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. And so if you've never felt these feelings, you need to learn how to experience or, or join somebody else who is experiencing these feelings in that place. Now, we've gone through how David has felt, how he has poured out his feelings to God, and I hope that you're asking yourself these questions, that you're willing to go there with God. But a key part of lament, and we see this in every psalm we've looked at, that there's this turn from our feelings to God's truth. We must make this shift from complaining, from expressing, from being honest about our feelings, to trusting God. And this happens, it, it doesn't have to be in an instant, there is no timeline on this, but we need to keep in mind that a true lament turns from expressing that we feel like God is distant to proclaiming truth and clinging to truth. So let's look at the last part of the psalm here, verses 5 and 6. This is exactly what David does. See, David, he, he shows us this path that true lament is that when we feel forgotten, true lament acknowledges the pain of the circumstances while simultaneously choosing to trust God in spite of it. Look at verse 5 in 6. After all of the honesty of verses 1 through 4, David turns and he says, but, that's an intentional word, in spite of all these things, even though this is how I feel, even though this is the circumstance, even though I can't make sense of this, even though it seems like God has forgotten me forever, even though I'm frustrated, disappointed with God at the moment, but, in spite of that, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. <coughs> I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You see the beauty of that church? This ability to hold intention, these feelings of loss, these feelings of being forgotten, these, these near-death experiences, and yet in the midst of that, there is this God who I can trust. He's the rock to whom I run. My heart shall rejoice in his salvation. I will sing to him because he has dealt bountifully with me. Like, how do you hold those two intention? David, in the same song, says God has dealt bountifully with me, and God has forgotten me and he won't answer me. Welcome to the Christian life. You don't have to categorize everything. You don't have to tidy it all up. It's not all black and white. There's so much gray. Notice that here. 
Lastly, I'll, I'll say salvation is a free and instant gift. I mean, David refers to his salvation here, verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. When we come to God through Jesus Christ, salvation is a gift of God's grace on our behalf. It's free and it's, it's, it's instant. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It's a gift from God. And the moment we place our faith in the saving work, person and work of Jesus Christ, we are saved. Salvation is gifted to us. And it's instant. It's right then. We're saved. But trust in the Savior is built over time through biblical examples and personal experiences of God's faithfulness. See, see love, we, we say this often with our children, that we love you unconditionally, but your trust is earned. And in the same way, even us as, our, as parents to our little children we can break trust with our children, and they can break trust with us. It's the same way with God, that, that we learn to trust God over time. And, and there is this unique, like, sometimes he gives us the supernatural ability to trust him when, when there is no experiences. Like, when you come to him in saving faith, that free and instant gift, there is the supernatural gift of trust. I'm going to trust him with my life. But then as we walk out that salvation— we continue to learn to, to trust him through biblical examples and personal experiences. That's what David does. He says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. David can say, I trust in your steadfast love because David has biblical examples of God's steadfast love. He has the stories of old. He has all of the forefathers who have gone before him. He knows the story of the Old Testament. He can recount story after story that God led his people through the Red Sea, that God provided for his people in the wilderness, that God overcame the battles, that, that when Israel was in battle, God overcame and fought on their behalf. He has biblical examples of God's steadfast love for his people. David also has personal experiences of God's faithfulness. I mean, David... Stood up against Goliath and killed him with a stone. David killed a lion and a bear with his hand. David has both biblical examples. I know all of these stories of scripture, but I also know how you've come through for me, God. I know how you've been faithful to me in my own life, in my own situations. Time after time, you come through. And so David is able to turn. In the midst of his lament, in the midst of his anguish, he's able to say, but still I have trusted and I will trust your steadfast love. Even though I may not feel it, I know what is true and I'm going to cling to the truth and I'm going to proclaim the truth and I'm going to sing in your salvation. And so, church, I, I want to encourage you to, to just understand that trust takes time to build and trust is like, it, it's a journey, right? It's not just a linear line from point A to point B, but it's like this. It's all over the place. It's a squiggly line. And so continue to press in. Continue to trust God. I would ask you, what are biblical examples of God's faithfulness that you can recall? When you're learning to lament, when you're in the valley of, shadow, of the shadow of death, you need biblical examples. You need to say, I remember how my Bible tells me that God came through in this way. I remember how my Bible captures this story. I remember how God worked for his people this way. I remember how God delivered per this person in this way. I remember how God showed up in the midst of this person's storm. I remember, I remember, I remember. I have evidence. I have biblical examples of God's faithfulness and cling to those. Which ones can you recall? Make a list. Write it down to run to when you're in the midst 
of the storm? And then secondly, what personal examples of God's faithfulness can you recall? Can you look back at your life and say, I remember how God came through here. I remember how God did this. I remember how God was faithful here. I remember when God got me out of that situation. I remember when God provided me in this way. Write it down. Run back to it in the midst of the storm. You need to recall how God has been faithful. We're going to have some example of that right now from two members of our church, Michael and Samantha Eward. I had a chance to sit down with them this week and talk about how they've learned to lament through much tragedy in their life. And so we're going to go to that right now. But as we do, I want you to grab your communion elements um, and have those ready because at the end of the interview, we're going to take communion together and we want to invite you to join in on that. And so grab your communion elements and then, um, and then have a seat again and Let's learn how to lament together as we see how God has led Michael and Samantha through some uh, tragedy in their own life. Hey, it's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming here and sharing your story with us. For those of our church family who haven't gotten to meet you yet, the privilege of meeting you because knowing you two, you three, is a huge privilege. And so for those who haven't had that privilege yet, why don't you tell us who you are? I am Michael. I am Joey. And I am Samantha Ewart. Perfect. I was going to ask, what's the last name so people can place you? Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. Jovi, thanks for sharing your mom and dad with us for a little bit. They're going to they're gonna walk us through the story, and you're going to go play games in the pew, right? Awesome. Thanks for being here, Jovi. Well, again, thank you guys so much for being here and being willing to engage some of the, the losses that you guys have experienced in life. As we're continuing our Learning to Lament series, we're talking about hard things and how we walk through that um, in honesty as a community and bring our things to God. So could you guys just share with us some of the losses that you've experienced throughout your life? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, in the last, I mean, we've been married for about 15, 16 years. And um, while we've had, you know, we're very much in love and have had lots of really happy times, we've had a lot of losses. Um, just, you know, even with Michael growing up, he had cancer and um, lost his mom at a very early age. And then um, we went through about 10 plus years of infertility, um, not knowing, you know, what, how we were going to grow our family. And then um, most recently, we uh, went through an adoption process of adopting three embryos, <clears throat> and um, that didn't work out. And then um, a couple weeks after it didn't work out, my dad passed away. And so we've had kind of, at least in this last year, it's been um, really apparent that, um, I mean, the loss has happened, and like this learning to lament season is very, um, it makes a lot of sense for us right now, um, because just like everyone else in the middle of your, of your lament, it's, um, it's difficult. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of losses in the last year, especially. Yeah, you guys have had a lot compiled in the last year and then just throughout life, like you mentioned. Michael, you, you had cancer as a child. How old were you when you were diagnosed with cancer and what type of cancer was it? Um, I was six months old, but I didn't get done with cancer till I was nine. And I had uh, um, spinal meningitis, um, leukemia, and neuroblastoma. And so uh, I 
skipped a grade because I, I, I failed a grade. Got held back and, and was in and out of the hospital most of that time. So it was a different childhood than most kids. But uh, And then I've had um, little bouts with little types of cancer th since then. And then uh, um, a lot of different other diseases too. It's kind of, my health has been a theme that's been a struggle for me. Yeah. How old so, were you when your mom passed away? I was, so that was a, diff a tough time in life too because I was, I'd been dating someone for five years and then my mom passed away and then I found out about infidelity with the girl I was engaged to and then I lost those two who were the biggest two women in my life at that time. So that was a struggle um, for me. And, um, you know, I wish I could say I was really good at lamenting, and um, but I wasn't. And I just kind of dropped into a, a depression um, that was not healthy. Um, and so, yeah. Oh, that's a lot. And related to, I mean, we've had we've had the privilege to walk through some of that suffering with you guys over the last couple of years, and especially this last year. And and knowing you two, I know that there's been waves of emotions as we all experience when we experience loss. Could you share with us as we looked at Psalm 13? David says that he, he expresses that he feels forgotten by God, and like God has turned a deaf ear to him. Have you guys ever felt that way? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I felt that way a lot. I think I felt like in the end it was me walking away from him rather than him walking away. But, it, you know, at the time when you feel spiritually dry, you don't feel any spirit, the Holy Spirit's urgings or, or any, you know, an unfortunate theme for my life is there's not been a lot of Christian people stepping up to the plate during my sorrow. So it's been kind of a struggle for me to actually be super close with people from the church because I've found I've not had people step into my life in that way and I'm also like it's my fault because I'm not I don't do well with pity so it's like it's par partially my fault because it's like if they stepped up to the plate would I open have open heart you know would I open my arms and say thank you I would just be like you know me personally I, I I don't lament well. <laughs> That's kind of a, a revolving theme for me because there's been a lot of stuff. But um, um, I think, yeah, it's really easy when you're in the middle of um, a lot of discouraging times to feel like, okay, why is God silent? Why did he not answer all of these prayers? Why did he not only not answer my prayers but then also put more on top of it? Um, I remember the week we, <clears throat> the night, the day we found out that I wasn't, um, that the embryo adoption didn't work out. The next day, I remember our car, we were like making a turn and the whole car like just kind of half toppled over. And I thought, that's just great, you know, and I think it's really easy to just think, why are you silent, God? Like why, at least if I, if we're going through these hard times, why can't you, we feel your presence? Like, why does it feel like he steps away in those times? And, um, you know, I don't have the perfect answer. I know the theological answer, you know, that he hasn't and that he's never left us and that he loves us. Um, but it's, and I think even Brittany said a couple weeks ago, it's that getting from the head to the heart, 
like really believing that and feeling that, and the feelings don't always match what's going on in our head. And um, but you know, it's just it's a it fluctuates. I'll have days where I feel like, you know what? I know my feelings don't match how I how or what's going on, but I know God is good, and like and that is enough. And then there's days where I want so badly to just feel it. And to be able to lament and say, but, you know, Lord, you're better. You're better than those losses. And it, and there is a reason for those losses because they're going to bring me closer to you. You know, but it's just when you're in the middle of that, that's what's always hard to, like, just, and that's why I think it is important to have brothers and sisters that can come alongside of you and say, actually, here's what the truth is. Um, but also in a way where it's not judgmental, like Job's friends, for instance, but um, to just come and sit with you and, and enter into your pain with you. And that is a really tough thing to do. And I don't, even though I've lost a lot, I don't do that well either um, of doing that with others. I think what you mentioned is a really helpful and good reminder for all of us that you, you know the theological answers. Those of us who have been around the church for a period of time, we know the right answers, but that's not always how we really feel. Right. And we see that in Psalm 13 with, with David. You know, he, he knows that God hasn't abandoned him, right. yet he expresses, why have you forgotten me forever? Have you, have you turned to, you know, have you, have you tuned me out? Are you not listening to me? And so in that, you know, we see the first four verses of Psalm 13 is David expressing his emotions and his disappointment and f his feeling forgotten. And then the last two verses, he does choose to trust God. He kind of makes that turn. And so over the years, how have you guys, um, what does that look like for you, even in the midst of your feelings, to kind of just make a conscious decision to, to choose, I'm going to trust God even though I don't feel like he's for me right now? How have you done that, or what's that looked like for you? Um, <clears throat> one of the most important things that I learned and that I still have to remind myself daily to do is, um, for instance, in Psalm 42, where David is, you know, asking God, um, you know, why are, why am I, or he's talking to himself, why are, why are you downcast on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. And there's that, that practice of talking to yourself and not listening to yourself, which is so hard because, like, I definitely get wrapped up in, I am a victim. Why is God doing this to me? Um, you know, what's going on in my life? And, have I done these something wrong and now this is a punishment? Um, but then, like, like David, like, no, you know, I am in Christ. <clears throat> I'm becoming a new creation. That is not something that is easy. You know, it's not um, like we were never promised. Everything was going to be happy and carefree. Um, and I, I heard a podcast or a sermon, I can't remember which one, where someone uh, was reminding people who go through um, unanswered prayers or sorrows that um, even in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was praying for the cup to be taken away, that it, um, God didn't take it away. And it was for a, a greater good. And to know that the Son of God actually didn't have his prayer answered makes it feel a little bit easier to um, be okay with these sorrows because you, you realize that he even identifies in that um, I just think that, that that was really profound to me because I never thought of it. It's really easy to glass over. You know, you read the crucifixion, and, and even in that, you're like, wow, God, Jesus is amazing. But then 
he even didn't have his prayers answered, you know, but was willing to enter into it and go through with it because there was a, a bigger purpose for it. And so <clears throat> those are the things I think about, um, I try to think about uh, when it just, I feel discouraged and it definitely does um, help me like turn away from all of the negative stuff that's going on in my head. That's a perfect segue, Samantha, in that kind of connecting it to Jesus, that Jesus experienced suffering in our place on our behalf, that he experienced similar suffering and also unanswered prayers. One of the things, um, and if you're at home right now, if you want to grab your communion elements, we're going to we're gonna take communion together, Michael and Samantha and I, and then we'd love to have you join us where you're at and kind of as we transition to the gospel, right? I mean, we're looking at this this text from Psalm 13, learning how to lament, but then we as Christians and at Park Community Church, we always want to turn back to the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so what you just mentioned, Jesus identifies with our unanswered prayers. That is a pointer to the gospel. And David says in Psalm 13, as we've already looked at, that he, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And it reminds me of Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So David feels like God's forgotten him. We have many experiences. You've shared some with us today about feeling forgotten by God. And then Jesus, why have you forsaken me, O God? And so we have a Savior who identifies with us and who's been there and, and who gives us hope.